Today's show is made possible by Fittery. You've probably purchased some dress and casual shirts online before, and sadly, you've probably had to return many of those items because they just didn't fit. Now, you do realize, of course, that billions are spent returning all of these poorly fitting clothes, right? Well, the madness can stop. The hassle of having to return all of this stuff can stop. Well, this is where Fittery comes in. They've devised a process by which you can almost guarantee that the dress and casual shirts you buy online will fit. And from brand names you'll recognize, Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Land's End, Ralph Lauren, to name just a few. And they're adding more brands every day. Now, I myself use Fittery, and setting up my account was very simple and took almost zero time. Just go to fittery.com intrepid, complete the quick size tool, and you'll soon be ordering dress and casual shirts that actually fit. Again, that's fittery.com intrepid. You'll love Fittery, and you'll actually enjoy and look forward to ordering clothes online again. Just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host, Todd Schneck. I can't have enough conversations like the one we're about to have and talking about employee engagement and such an important conversation. We don't have it enough on this show, which is why I wanted to chat with today's guest. Let's get right to it. I'm joined now by Rod Wagner. He's the Vice President of Employee Engagement Strategy with BI Worldwide. Rod, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. I know you are a very busy fellow, so appreciate the time. Uh, Rod, before we get into our critically important conversation, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. If you go back to the beginning of my career, I, I began as a journalist. I was a police reporter, courts reporter, eventually a, a newspaper editor, did a little uh, radio talk show along the way eventually went back to school because I felt like the way my newspaper at the time was being managed and run was not the way that a, a newspaper could be run. I thought we could have higher morale and do better things. And and uh, out of that, ultimately, was a consultant business leader on the business side of media. I was 12 and a half years with Gallup and then four years ago joined BI Worldwide here in Minneapolis. Outstanding. Well, give us the overview of BI Worldwide. What do you do? How do you serve your market? BI Worldwide is a global engagement agency and consultancy. Uh, it means that we do an awful lot for our clients depending on what they need to help energize their employees. Sometimes that means that we are organizing the all-manager meeting where the strategic plans are rolled out for the coming year. 
Uh, sometimes it means we're uh, in, uh, implementing recognition platforms so that every manager has the wherewithal to to acknowledge great things that their employees have done. And the area where I work is involved in developing research, strategy, advisory services to make sure that the executives are doing those things that will be most strongly reciprocated by the employees within their organization. All right. Well, let's do this. Uh, I'm, I'm asking this question with the brightness in my eye and a little light, slight smile. But, I, but when I hear the title employee engagement strategy, I worry, and there's a lot of different types of engagement that we talk about in business and customer engagement and employee engagement and all that. I worry that a lot of people listening to this say or think to themselves, I don't really know what the heck engagement really means. I think it's one of those things, if you ask 10 people, define engagement, you're going to get 10 different answers. How does Rod Wagner define engagement in the context that we're going to talk about it today? Yeah, it's a great question. I've actually raised the issue in one of my columns. I'm a, a columnist for Forbes magazine on the site as well. I wrote a column a, a little over a year ago about the end of quote-unquote employee engagement for just that reason. The, the, the phrase has been in circulation for 25 years, and there is not a standard definition for it. I simplify it in my most recent book, Widgets, down to uh, that, that it's the intensity in an employee's work that is delivered in reciprocation for the investment that the company has made in his or her experience. That's a pretty broad definition, but it, that's the one that, that really would fit all those situations. In some cases, we're looking for vigilance against accidents. In other cases, we're looking for great levels of customer service. It depends on the company. It depends on the particular role. And nonetheless, there is a robust and very real psychological contract that exists between a company and its employees and it, any individual employee uh, that makes that individual want to work harder if the company delivers on those things that are most important to him or her. You know, I've interviewed enough smart guys like you, Rod, that I think I have a sense of of, of what I'm about to ask you. But but you, I love that you said it's in, it's intensity and reciprocation. And it's another one of those corporate kind of phrases that, that can mean a lot of different things. I mean, can you actually measure this intensity that you talk about? Yeah, you can. In some cases, people will say it's, it's not measurable. Absolutely. You can measure whether someone feels like their manager understands them. You can measure whether uh, someone feels as though there is transparency within the, or in, within the organization, whether they feel like it's a cool place to work. You can also measure what they intend to do about it. Do you want to stay in this job? Do you feel like you give high levels of customer service? Do you feel like this job brings out your best ideas? Those are, of course, intentions, not the actual delivery on those intentions. But anytime you have data on what actually happens based on those intentions, turns out that it correlates awfully strongly. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I'm going down paths, Rod, that I wasn't intending to do, uh, which is what I love about these kinds of conversations. I, I interviewed a guy just yesterday who wrote a book about doing work that you love. And, and it was kind of arguing the debate of uh, if you follow your passion, you never work a day in your life kind of thing. And, and there was a, this broad debate around that subject. It, it is because a lot of people, as, as we record this right now, I'm working out of my home studio, which is on the 39th floor in a high rise in Chicago. And I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 office buildings, a lot of people working behind those glass windows. And most of them, as you and I could suspect, probably aren't satisfied with their work. Can someone working this, quote, job, 
that they show up, punch in at nine o'clock, and then they punch out at nine, at five o'clock and go home and watch uh, watch TV. I, I can make the case that that well, they're not doing work that is going to be something where they're intense and how they reciprocate the devotion and passion towards building a career that's as fine to them. Does it only apply to people who do their own thing, who start their own business, or can anyone in virtually any role, in any job, in any company, in any organization be content and satisfied with the work they do and feel like they're making a contribution and feel like they're being listened to? Can they in any role or any company? No, because there's some companies that are populated by, they're led by poor leaders and they're populated by poor managers and you're going to have a difficult time. You can, you can certainly uh, kind of keep your head down and work really hard and take satisfaction from the intrinsic value of the work itself and, and get yourself in, in fairly decent shape. But if you've got a neglectful manager, if your company doesn't recognize you, if your CEO is, is not transparent and really not all that concerned about having that kind of strong reciprocal relationship and, and really trying to make you happy, ultimately, then you're going to have a difficult time having that kind of an experience there. That having been said, the so-called employee engagement crisis that a lot of uh, consultancies talk about does not exist. In our data, uh, we find that the vast majority of people either like their jobs or love their jobs. A lot more like that like their jobs than love them. But it's it's not as bad as it's frequently been made out to be. Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, you've obviously spent a lot of time studying employee motivation and all that. I mean, what what are you learning there? I mean, what what are the trends that you're seeing? And is is there? It sounds like from what you just said, there's there's more hope here than than maybe many suspect. Well, there is, but an awful lot of it depends on an employee taking responsibility for his or her own. Happiness. I, I'm in, in, under the old or traditional view of employee engagement. The company would come take a survey every year or so. It would take a couple months for those results to come back. They'd have some kind of a meeting and and maybe make a few adjustments, and that was supposed to be enough. It never was enough, and it's certainly not enough now. On our website, WorkHappier.com, we actually leave out there for free a self-assessment, a job assessment that people can go in and score how their job is doing for them and where they are on each of the 12 new rules of engagement so that they can take responsibility for it. I think that's one of the major trends that increases in happiness and engagement are going to occur because the employees were fully involved in the process and in the conversation. At the same time, we've got greater movement between jobs. Behind the scenes, if it's a publicly held company, money is much less patient. It moves around. That people want to return, the owners, investors want to return really fast. So that sometimes means they're closing places, they're doing layoffs at a quicker clip than they than they used to. It means an employee has got to be ready with a plan B at any point in time. And yeah, that wasn't true a generation or two ago. Hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned ha- happiness. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of people as I look out my window and see all these office windows. I, I suspect most of those people aren't feeling like, well, it's, it's a job. It's work. I'm not necessarily supposed to be, quote, happy here. It sounds like you disagree with that notion. Yeah, there are a number of people out there, including my former boss's boss, the CEO of Gallup, who says uh, making people happy is a ter- uh, uh, work is a terrible idea. Our research shows that that's not true at all. In fact, some people will say, well, you, you want people to be engaged and, and not necessarily happy. Well, those two are 
ex- exceptionally highly correlated with each other. If you find right. an engaged employee, he or she is happy. And quite frankly, that's, that goes to your uh, original comment about what does engagement mean. That term never caught on in the vernacular. If you interview employees, you could interview them for weeks at a time, and you would never hear them say engaged or disengaged. Mm-hmm. Instead, if you talk to them about their job, they'd say, I'm really happy that I'm here. I, I like working here. I love working here. They'd say, I'm, I'm, un, I'm unhappy working here. When they go home at night and talk to their friends and family about their jobs, they never say engagement. They talk in terms of happiness, and that's what they reciprocate. If the company is wanting them to be happy on the job, then they want to stay there. They want to work hard. They want to make sure the, the, the customers are happy. They feel like they have a responsibility to look out for the owners and for the financial investments that the company's made. All those things fall into place. It's a, in some ways, it's a very simple and very understandable formula. Make your employees happy. See what you can do to look out for their interests, and they'll look out for the company. Well, one of the things I've learned Again, interviewing a bunch of smart people like you, Rod, is that making employees happy isn't saying, hey, the work needs to be easy and you can loaf around and surf the Internet for half the day. No, it's giving them important problems to solve. It's it's giving them training. It's it's continuing their education and learning things and new skill sets. It, it's it's challenging them on a daily basis to make them really stretch themselves. It, it's, it's, it's making sure, and I think this is critically important, understanding the why of why they're in that organization, the important work that the organization is striving to do, right? I mean, that's, is that what really makes a happy employee to be engaged at that kind of level? Yeah, but we, we have it in the United States, we have it written into our Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> and Jefferson wrote that it was self-evident that this was something that was important to pe- people. And, and by that, he meant not the hedonistic, hey, I want to go sit on a cruise boat for three weeks at a time and, and, and get nothing accomplished. He met a very much a, an Aristotelian kind of happiness, by, by which we mean, hey, I'm going to do something that is meaningful. I'm going to do something in collaboration with my colleagues. Uh, I'm going to struggle through a tough day and be happy at the end because I was able to succeed in it. I would argue the deeper form of happiness, not that mm. sitting on a boat and doing a little bit of fishing once in a while is not a good idea. In fact, you could argue it's, it's necessary to occasionally give our brains a rest. But most people, once they've had the rest, then they want to go do something interesting and that makes a contribution to their company or to the larger society. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Rod Wagner will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. I am back with Rod Wagner, Vice President of Employee Engagement Strategy with BI Worldwide. So, all right, 
<laughs> Let's shift focus a bit, Rod. Uh, being cool isn't necessarily something employers were looking at or were aiming for a generation ago. I mean, is is coolness important now? It is. Yeah, it's not necessarily something that I would have predicted, but it's something we had some questions a number of years ago into our exploratory surveys. Uh, we just tossed in a few questions about whether whether the company where they worked was a cool place to work. And it turned out it was a very powerful item, a very powerful predictor of whether people wanted to stay at that organization and work at the highest levels of intensity. It's certainly something that my dad would have thought was, was silly. Or yeah. uh, there's an episode of that 70s show where Red Foreman says, work is work. If it weren't work, they wouldn't call it work. They'd call it skippity-doo fun time. <laughs> and, and yet, if you ask people what they want, you know, we spend a lot of our time at the office, uh, the bulk of our waking hours. I think what people are saying is they want it to be enjoyable. Uh, they want it to be interesting. They want to do something cutting edge. They want to work with smart people from whom they can learn something. And, and, and they also want it to – there are a lot of things that in saying it's a cool company, it means that there's a lot of things that are, are not happening that would be uncool. Like if it's discriminatory, people will say, well, that's so uncool. Or if it's secretive, or if their manager's neglectful, they'd say, that's so uncool. It tends to, to some degree, coolness is an umbrella under which a lot of aspects of the job sit. But at the same time, it does have a specific meaning about being cutting edge and, and doing interesting things and being confidently different from other organizations in your field. Being confidently different. That's an interesting way to think about it. It informs my next question, which is, are you talking more about the brand of, a, of an organization? I mean, there are plenty of guys that love to flip out their Apple business card when they're out having cocktails and saying, yeah, I work at Apple because it's a cool place to be. But I also think there's there's plenty of people who who may be excited about working at a startup that does not have much brand recognition in the marketplace, but their mission and purpose and their why is cool. I mean, it, it, it's all that, right? It is to some degree. This happens through what a statistician would call self-selection bias, that people migrate towards the kind of work that they find interesting. So to some degree, a company has this to their uh, natural advantage. The people that are ice, that are big ice cream fans, they gravitate towards working for a place that makes ice cream. People who are into technology go towards technology firms. People who are all about medicine will end up working at a, at a hospital, and they'll think that that's cool. But on top of that, an organization that says we're going to have some fun, we're going to try some new things, we're going to do things a little differently, we're going to see if we can innovate, we're going to try some great collaboration within our organization, see what we can learn together. Those are all the kinds of things that people go home and they say, this is a cool place to work. How important is hiring in, in this process? I mean, it's one thing to say, all right, we're going to put a, a really wicked, cool, motivational poster over the receptionist's desks, which then means our culture is badass. But it's more it's it's not that I mean, you, you have to either create a, a, quote, cool culture or you have to hire correctly and say, all right, let's be sure that we bring in people who are going to be a fit to to this culture. If we're an ice cream shop, then I'm going to be sure that I'm hiring people who like ice cream and, and not vegetarians. I mean, I mean, that's a that's a silly example, but you get my point. I mean, how, how important is hiring and recruitment in, in this kind of thing? I actually put less emphasis on it than most people would. Really interesting. Yeah, uh, 
most people are, not a real word, but engageable. They are, uh, if you give them a good manager, if they, you give them an inspirational leader, if you're transparent, if you give them every reason to want to work hard because there are some cool things going on because they can, they're going to be recognized for their, for their work, the vast majority of people will rise to that challenge. They'll flourish in, in that particular environment. And I also think that while it's important that someone knows going in whether the particular culture is going to work for them, in some cases that can actually turn into a form of groupthink, that you're hiring people that are like the people you already have inside the organization, and later on you realize you're all thinking the same. Well, that's because you hired everybody who was like everybody else. It's a, it's, there's a, it's a kind of invisible diversity issue, not uh, diversity Demographic diversity, of course, is important. There's also an importance of diversity of of thought when you're in a highly competitive market. Hmm. All right. Well, you won that round. And I'm going to steal engageable. I mean, that's a a great word. I know exactly what you mean by that. What about pay? I mean, I I pay. I'll I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you my context is that early in my life, pay was everything. If I could demonstrate to my buddies that my pay was increasing with every promotion and every new job and all that, then, then I was cool. But as I've gotten older and appreciate experience and having fun more than pay, I mean, I, 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 I maybe, maybe, maybe that's a common path for people who have been around long enough as I have. But, but let me ask you this question. I mean, does, does, does pay affect happiness? Pay doesn't affect happiness as much as a problem with pay creates unhappiness. So there's a reason why in our uh, in our research, we call this specific area, it's the third of the new rules of engagement we talk about, we, we labeled it make money a non-issue. Mm. The research on compensation says that it tends to be in the background. In some cases, it's not when you're just starting your job and, and when you're living a little closer paycheck to paycheck as you, as people will be more likely to do in their 20s, and they'll be focused on it more. But as you as you get further into your career and you know the mortgage is going to get paid, you know you can pay for the groceries and you're saving up for college and retirement and those kinds of things, uh, then there tends to be a little less focus on it. It goes more into the background right up until the point when a recruiter calls and says, hey, I can offer you 40% more than you're making right now. Then you start to say, well, why would they pay me 40% more and this place wouldn't? then pay is an issue. Or if you find out what everyone else is making inside your company and there's some inequities, suddenly pay is an issue. And if there's a sense that you're not being paid competitively or better yet, a little generously, if there's a sense that you are not being paid fairly relative to the people around you, or if you're not getting a sense that there's much progress in your pay, that it's stagnant, those are three situations where suddenly pay can become an issue and when pay becomes an issue, it frequently will become the issue. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff. You mentioned the new rules of engagement. Tell me more about what that is. The new rules of engagement came out of some research that we initiated about four years ago when I first joined BI Worldwide. Uh, we asked a couple hundred questions in a very much an exploratory way because most of what was being done in the employee engagement arena dated to the mid to late 1990s and really hadn't been refreshed with Facebook, LinkedIn, texting, all, all the all the, the re- little recession that we had there in 2008 and 2009. Uh, the question that we had going in was, has the social contract changed through all of this? And yes, it had. 
so we asked a, a bunch of new questions. Uh, we meant that we wanted them to be provocative. And then we did that, this kind of exploration. So part of it was to ask, well, I wonder if being cool, a cool place to work, is, is that going to matter? Or, okay, so it's well established in the literature that, and, and the research, that it's important for people to feel a sense of contribution and that they can affect what's going on in their workplace. It's commonly called voice in the literature. What if we turned up that and said, do you have the chance to take the lead? Would that be more powerful than simply having a, uh, a, a, a sense so that you could make a suggestion? And it turns out, yes, it is. It is, it is more powerful to get the opportunity to take charge at work than to simply be able to give your opinion on what's going on there. Right, right. Interesting. I imagine these, quote, rules of engagement are, am I correct in assuming that these are continuously evolving? They are. We, we do a research study each year, and we always throw in some new questions to see if things are, are changing. Uh, and they certainly change for any individual from one day to another. It's one of the reasons why we left the survey out there for free for individual use on workhappier.com so that people, if they wanted, they could take the survey every day and, and track it like they do their, their weight, their calories, and the number of miles that they've run. And it, it is interesting to me tracking my own happiness and talking to others who are tracking theirs, how much it does change. It really means that the traditional employee engagement survey where they grab you on one day uh, of the year is useful for that one day and, and then it gets stale just like bread does. Well, that's a critically important lesson for management, right? To understand that the people on your team are evolving that way. And, and you have to be continuously mindful of that and, and continue to think about that and present how you serve your employees and how you take care of your employees and, and make them engaged and feel like they're, you know, as you keep saying, their contribution is so, is so essential. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a modern requirement of management is to understand this continuous evolution, right? Yeah, it's very much like uh, anyone who, who has done any coaching of uh, lacrosse or hockey or baseball or you name it. Every game, every day is a, is a brand new game, and yeah. you can't assume. Oh well, we won yesterday, so we'll win today. No, you won't. It's a, it's a it's every employee that comes in. They've got who, who knows if they had a flat tire on the way in, or if their kid gave them a long hug that morning and said something really nice to them. They're coming in at a, at a different level than they did the day before. There are new tasks, and managers would be best to think of themselves like a, a youth sports coach that, okay, new day, new game, be, be really active, stay, stay right there, see how your players are doing, because um, the, the more active you are in that coaching process and looking out for them, the more the likelihood that you're going to win that particular day. Yeah, I can't think of a better way to, to end this conversation. Uh, that's a great place to, to wrap this up. Rod, before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have any questions and learn more about all the work that you're doing, all the research that you're doing, and then, of course, where can I learn more about BI Worldwide? Yeah, the easiest place to go is to www.workhappier.com. Uh, you'll see my bright, shining face. There's a contact button where you can email me. Uh, but the first place I would suggest people go is is right there and, and take the take the survey. There's a smiley face, that, uh, a slider on the side that you can slide up and down to indicate how happy you are. And from there, it'll it'll open up the, the larger survey where you can find out what your work happier number is on that day and get the full report and all the 
access uh, links to my Forbes articles and uh, first chapter of the book widgets, all that is, is right there at workhappier.com. All right. We'll certainly point to that in the show notes. Rod, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping by and joining us. Thank you, Todd. All right. Rod Wagner, the Vice President of Employee Engagement Strategy with BI Worldwide. Again, Rod, great to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Rod Wagner, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. <music>